uh, you guys can see here, we're in the book of Joshua. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there digitally or um, a physical copy. You can go ahead and turn to Joshua 1, 1 to 9. I've entitled it Unchartered. And I'll go over exactly why, but I want to start off with this question here. I want to start off with this question. What if the things, what if I said, what if the things that we went through or, or, um, in the past couple years or in, in, our, in our life weren't necessarily from God, but what, what if I said that all the things that we've been through, God can use all the things that we've been through to prepare us to enter into the land or the place that he's leading us? What if I said all the things that you went through, good or bad, God can use it for his glory of you knowing him and making him known. The book of Joshua is a book of an uncharted, or un, un, I'm going to say uncharted, yeah, uncharted. There's uncharted, uncharted, they're the same definition when I looked it up anyway. Anyways, it means a map that hasn't been surveyed, land that hasn't been reached or touched or occupied, entered into, okay? Although Joshua was a spy who went and observed the land, they haven't entered in, they haven't occupied, they haven't subdued it. It's uncharted territory. And so, um, that's uh, we were talking as leaders, that's kind of what we feel like we're stepping into in, in this next season is just uncharted territory, uncharted uh, place that we just haven't navigated. After getting through p- the pandemic, a lot of pastors talked about that it was going to be hard leading through the pandemic. But we're, we're finding out that it's, it's a little more difficult leading out of it after it now. And so we're, we, we feel just in t- to several degrees that it's just we're stepping into an uncharted season. And so I, my hope is to help you discover some principles from the life of Joshua of how to navigate uncharted territory, uncharted land. So the book of Joshua, for those of you that don't know, or I've never heard of Joshua, I love Joshua's story because I relate to it a lot. <laughs> The book of Joshua is a continuation of the Pentatonic or Israel's history of when, when Moses was leading all of Israel. Now, they didn't enter into this uncharted territory because of doubt and unbelief. This uncharted territory is actually known as the promised land. And they didn't enter into it because of doubt and unbelief. But like I mentioned to you, Joshua was a spy and he, didn't, he was one of the 12, there was Caleb and Joshua, who had a report of faith. And so they didn't, they were wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. And Moses is the leader who led them out of Egypt, all of Israel, if you remember that, all the way back to the plagues. Uh, But but before his passing, Joshua was his servant, Moses' servant, and we'll find that out in Joshua here. Um, So he's seen uh, Moses do all these incredible things. Moses is an incredible leader. And that's even what I think about Pastor Brent as well when he's preaching. I mean, he's just incredible at preaching and preaching it well. And I've, I've had the opportunity just to glean and learn from him. And um, I'm not saying he's passing, <laughs> but um, I'm not saying that at all. Um, but in, 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 in Joshua's case, Moses was passing. Moses was not going to enter into the promised land. And it was because of this, and this is what God's going to instruct Joshua to do. To be careful, to do everything that he's commanded him. And Moses, in one instance, was not careful. 
And because of that, he didn't enter into the promised land. So God had chosen Joshua to lead the Israel into the promised land. So Moses, as a great leader, encourages Joshua because, man, when I first preached here, holy moly, I needed a lot of encouragement because I was scared for my life. I literally was just like sticking to this like I was like, let me just read word for word and we'll be good here because I'm scared. I don't even know if I have the confidence to do this, but we'll see how we do. Um. Moses encourages him, be strong and courageous. This is going to be a theme that's repeated to, to Joshua. Be strong and courageous. And that's something that we need, especially in these times when we're navigating fear, we're navigating uncharted times. We need to be strong and courageous. God com- or Moses commissions Joshua, just like Jesus would commission the disciples to go and make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The idea is that Moses is commissioning him. And lastly, his leader prays for him. We need the prayers of our leaders to, and not just the encouragement, not the commissioning, but also prayers. And I want you to know we pray for you. On my route, I pray for you guys, and I'm praying that you experience God's presence, not just today, but throughout the week. Amen? So the book of Joshua begins as a memorial. <laughs> Coincidental, huh? Of Moses' death. So before we start, let's go ahead and bow our heads and let's pray. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you that no matter what we navigate through, it'll never compare to your faithfulness. When we're faithless, when we doubt, when we cringe and are afraid, Lord, you that doesn't change your plan from being accomplished. Even when our plans aren't perfect in alignment with your purposes, God, your purposes still prevail. And we just thank you that you lead us so graciously, so patiently. And God, I just pray that you would speak to us today. Encourage us today, commission us today, and lead us into the place, to the land that you have promised us. In Jesus' name, amen? All right, let's read the word of God. Let's get in here. All right, Joshua 1, 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, that's his father, Nun, Moses' aid. Moses' aid, he, like I told you, mentioned before, he was his servant. He served alongside him. He saw the splitting of the Red Sea. He saw Passover. Joshua was the firstborn son. He saw, this was very real to him when the death angel passed over. Joshua saw all these miraculous powers through, through God. And it, we can read the text here and say the servant of the Lord. Joshua understands what it is to be a servant. Okay? And that's important to note because the Lord is speaking to Joshua. But it's important to know also, when God spoke to Moses, the the name that he gave him at the burning bush was Yahweh, or I am who I am. And this is important to note because Joshua is Moses' servant. And God speaks to Joshua the same way. Yahweh comes before Joshua and speaks to him. I am come and speaks to Joshua in a personal way, revealing his personal character. Because like I said, Joshua's going to need the encouragement. He's going to need to see God personally, just like Moses did. And we're seeing this here after the death of Moses. And he says this, my servant Moses is dead. The thing is, even though God's people and servants have died and passed away, that doesn't 
um, stop God from his plan and purposes continuing. They're multi-generational. You see that all throughout Scripture. That's why we believe in the next group of leaders and kids that are coming up because God's plans and promises don't just stop with me. They continue on from generation to generation. Amen? I know I'm exhorting to you a little bit, but I'll get back here. I know I'm going to try to stick to the, the principles here that I hope you see, but I want to stir up some faith today. Amen? God speaks to him. He says, now then, everybody say now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan. He's speaking to him in military terms. If you study the text there, it's in military terms. And that's, int- that's t- something to note because in Joshua's past, he was a soldier. He was a soldier leading under Moses' army, so he understands what it feels like uh, to be commanded or receive commandments, okay? He, he's a commander, so this speaks to him and this grasps his attention. God knows how to show himself into a personal way that we're going to see him and know him, but he knows how to speak to us in a way that's relatable to us, just like he speaks to Joshua. I haven't got to our, our principles yet, but that was good in, in itself, amen? <laughs> God speaks to him, I'm about to give them. Or get ready to cross over the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where, you're f- where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Well, that's a little intimidating because this land is uncharted. The last report about it was a lot, of, the majority had no faith. They were doubting. But Caleb and Moses had faith. And if you know the word of God, the only thing that pleases God is faith and trust in him. And this is why God has chosen Joshua. And this is why I'm trying to stir up some faith this morning to see, help you see that God has chosen you. He says, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, and all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. Um, For those of you that, that kind of just sounds like, okay, a place here, place here, place this. Okay, Hittite country, what does that even mean? It means there's, from the report that they had last time, there's giants. People were afraid because of giants. We all have our giants. Th- there, there was land that was fortified very well, and they didn't think that they were going to enter into. And so God's saying, hey, I'm, I'm signing this over to you, by the way. <laughs> you don't have to pay for it. I'm paying for it for you. I'm signing it over for you with my name. I'm involved in all this. And he says, I, says this. This is a very bold statement here. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. That's an incredible statement there to note with the giants that they're coming up against, with the fortified walls that they're coming against. If you know Joshua, man, even Jericho, no one come in, no one can come out. But no one's going to be able to stand against Joshua. And it's not because Joshua's necessarily great. It's because God chose Joshua, and God's glory is going to shine through Joshua. And no one is going to be able to stand against him because of God's promises that he wants to accomplish through him. He says to him, as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Here's that that saying I want you to remember here. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers. See, you're hearing that God chose him. God told Moses that he chose Joshua and now God is telling Joshua personally, I've chosen you. You're chosen. And you're going to lead these people to where I'm leading them. Here we go again. Be strong and very courageous. Uh-oh, listen to this. Be careful to do 
to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. Well, that sounds like some distractions, maybe, temptations along the way. That you may be successful. Did you know that God desires success for your life? We'll define what that looks like exactly, okay? But this is how it happens. Here, listen to this. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. What book are you talking about, Pastor Andy? Well, it's not necessarily a book. It is for us, <laughs> but for them it was a scroll that they wrote, read vocally and orally, and they heard, heard of the word. And so what he's saying is, in all the things that you talk about, it better not depart from your mouth, Joshua. You need to talk about this if you want to have success. You need to think about this, meditate on it, and you need to be careful to obey it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? It's kind of a rhetorical question. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord, your God, will be with you for wherever you go. Amen? Let's pull some principles here. Let me help you understand. But let me start with this question here, okay, to keep in mind as we navigate through this scripture, okay? How can I, or how can you, enter into the place God has promised you in an uncharted season I've never walked through? How can I enter into all that God has promised me in a place that I've never been? Well, the theme that's going to involve that you're going to see is God's promise, power, and presence. Well, that's all that you see. If you go back and literally look at that, that's what's in there. His promise, his power, his presence are involved in making this happen. So let me help you understand who Joshua is so you know your leader, you know who he is. He's Moses' aide. But he was a slave boy back in Egypt. He was the slave boy back in Egypt. He understood what slavery felt like. He understood what that was. And his, actually, his name wasn't Joshua. It was Hoshea. Hoshea. His family decided to call him Hoshea. I'll talk about when his name gets changed, but this is important to know. His family had faith in the midst of being beat by Egyptian rulers over them. They called him. Hoshea, which means salvation. That's important because when your family identifies you and calls you and speaks identity into you, it has a positive influence in the rest of your life. Amen? That's why Joshua, several years later, he spies out the land. He's not afraid of it. He has faith in his God because this started at a young age. Hoshea. And even further, Moses says, no, 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 you're not going to be Hoshi anymore. You're Joshua. If you study the word Joshua, Joshua in the Hebrew is Yeshua. Everybody say Yeshua. Yeshua, that means deliver or Jehovah, the Lord, is salvation. This is also interesting to note, too. Jesus, fast forward, in Greek, his name is Yeshua. Interesting. The Lord is salvation. Are you saying Joshua is Jesus? No. I'm saying Moses saw his leader, and he saw the calling that he had on Joshua's life. And, and how can I say that so boldly? There was no prophet like Moses who talked to God face to face, burning bush on the mountain, heard from him the word. Not Hoshea. Joshua. Mm, that's good. He's the firstborn son, so like I mentioned to you, he understands what it feels like 
when that death angel is crossing over in the plagues in Egypt. He understands, oh, if we don't put the blood of the lamb as representative, he doesn't know that Jesus put to us, it's representative of Jesus Christ, believing in Jesus Christ. If, if they don't do that, boom, gone, he's gone. Firstborn son's killed. But he does because his family demonstrates that faith. He sees the splitting of the Red Sea. He sees the man in the, in, in, in the quail in the wilderness. He sees God's miraculous power. He sees a pillar of cloud, a pillar of fire. He sees Moses, his great leader. He was a soldier who fought with, uh, as a, with, general, um, with exceptional military skills. He was a man of courage who was not afraid to confront his enemy and trust God for the victory. Wait, that's kind of contradictory, Andrew, because you just said he's going to be repeated, be strong and courageous. Yeah, no, no, no. I get that. The new season that he's stepping into is kind of making him a little bit afraid. His leader's not there. It's a new place of leadership. It's like saying, I'm not saying this is happening. I'll just use it for example sake. If I stepped in as lead pastor, if Pastor Brent just said, oh, just pass like Moses did, holy moly, I'd be scared. <laughs> I, I, I have some courage in what I'm doing and what God's called me to do, but holy moly, I don't have the confidence and courage to lead like our great leader, Pastor Brent, is. Does that make sense? He accompanied Moses. He received the Ten Commandments. And let's listen to this. This is also something important to note. Every time Moses would leave the tent of meeting, or uh, sometimes Joshua would stay because the glory of the Lord stayed there. Joshua was not just a soldier. He was not just a servant. He's not just one who had inherited his family's faith he had a personal faith in the lord and he would stay in worship even after his leader left he was a spy who came back with a report of faith and ultimately joshua would be the successor of moses my first point here is joshua is going to need in order to enter into this promised land he's going to need some courage he's going to need some confidence And I think that's what God's trying to do. He's speaking to him in a personal way. He's trying to encourage him, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. What, what does that mean? Have confident courage, be strong and courageous. Good question. First thing we need to identify is how did Joshua receive his confidence to give him the ability to take the courageous steps that God called him to? Let me simplify it. Where did Joshua get his confidence from? Anybody know? According to our text here. God. Okay, God chose him, right? Clearly, it's, it's him choosing him, him speaking to him. He encourages him. But what did he say that Moses, Moses was this great man who had the law, was giving the law. What, what would also be his other source of, of, of confidence that, he, that God's commanding him to keep? The book of the law, the word of God. This would be the first man who has not a book, but a scroll before him of the word of God. That God would go on to say, hey, don't let this stop. Don't ever stop talking about this. If you want to be successful, you want to walk into an uh, uncharted season, you're going to need the book of the law. You're going to need God's word. You're going to need to think about it, to be obedient to everything that God's called you to. Well, Moses is mentioned not, not in just this passage, but several times throughout the scripture. Was Moses, his leader, a source of confidence? Do you agree or disagree? I would agree. Because just like Moses was his source of confidence, Pastor Brent was my source of confidence. 
giving me opportunity, giving me the tools to learn how to preach and how to teach and, and see the principles of God. A mentor who believed in him. Pastor Brent was that for me. And Moses was that for Joshua. Who's a mentor in your life who's encouraging you and who sees something inside your life? Who's a leader in your life that, here, I, I'll take a step here. God's chosen you. He has a plan and purpose for your life. What was else a source of confidence for Joshua? Several experiences. Sees the Passover, the death angel Passover. God saves him miraculously. The splitting of the Red Sea. The quail provided his presence being there constantly. He, he, he sees Moses not be careful to do everything according to what God has instructed him. He has several experiences of experiencing God. And I'm telling you from personal experience too, when we experience God, Builds up our confidence in him to be strong in him and take a courageous step. Lastly, it's not it's in the second part of the scripture. I didn't include it. When I moved here. The other thing I I think I needed as well was encouragement for my team. And that's what Joshua gets is encouragement and support from his team. His team says this phrase that I'm telling you to, to remember. Only be strong and courageous. We'll do everything that you want us, that the Lord has instructed you to do. Only be strong and courageous. Be confident in the Lord and take a courageous step. We're supporting you. Confidence is, confident courage is required to inherit the promises of God. How many want to receive everything that God has for you? Amen? It takes confident courage. Confidence is developed by trusting God's promise, believing in his miraculous power to overcome our enemy, and that his presence will be with us. At 17, God called me to be a pastor. <laughs> Whoo! No thanks, God. You got the wrong person. Do you know my past? Do you know what I've been through? Do you, uh, I don't even know how to read the Word of God. Uh, I don't even know what that means. Um, I don't even know how to understand. How can we apply being confidently courage or walk in confident courage to inherit the promises of God? It's this. What are you most afraid of? Uh, I'm most afraid of failing and not being good at a pastor. And I still deal with that today, God. Uh, I don't think I'm going to do very well. But this is what I told God. If you go with me, I'll do it. If you go with me. Because you showed me your presence. You built my confidence. And today, he's done that. But my question to you is, what are you most afraid of? I just heard from a successful leader, pastor in Colorado, constantly growing. And the thing he's afraid of is confidence in himself to do what God's called him to do. I believe to some degree that we are all experiencing that. But we can be confident and trust that God's promises are going to come to pass. Amen? Next point here, principle that I want you to see here is, okay, confidence can only get you so far. <laughs> if I said, hey, called LeBron James up and says, hey, Aaron and Sharonda, they have some experience in basketball. They told me I can beat you, LeBron. I think I can do it. They got some experience. And all my church thinks I can beat you, too. I got some. You think that's going to happen? Not at all. I will fail miserably. 
because confidence can only get you so far. You can't, you can't just, now confidence is important. But God is telling Joshua, hey, you want to be successful? You want to experience prosperity? Whoa, Pastor Andy, prosperity. I've heard of the prosperity gospel. I'm not talking about that. There ain't no such thing as a prosperity gospel. If somebody's preaching that, that's, that's, that's not what God's heart is here. Because prosperity doesn't necessarily mean wealth, fame, accolades, or material prosperity. When I moved here, <laughs> I was scraping by, to be honest. <laughs> but God was faithful. Had a home, had food, had a job. It doesn't mean we get wealth, fame, accolades, material prosperity. It means this. We receive God's wisdom to do what is right and achieve God's goal for our lives. Fulfilling God's goals and plans is the greatest measure of success for each of us. How can I say that? Let's go talk to Bill Gates. Let's go talk to people who have made all this money. and Let's ask them, hey, have you achieved enough success according to your definition of success? Nope. Never enough. It's like a rat race. You're just going to keep going, and someone's going to keep getting to the top, and, and it'll never be enough. It'll never be enough. I mean, you even look back, like Alexander Great, who conquered all this land, had so much success. In his last days, he didn't even think he was successful. How do you define success? Well, for me, it's off of what God's, what God's goal and plan for my life is. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be in Nebraska. I wouldn't be a pastor. It's what he's called me to do. So I'm going to confidently and courageously step into that, and I'm encouraging you to do the same and to evaluate your life of how you define prosperity. And it hinges upon this, knowing God and walking in obedience to God's word. You'll duly note that I put knowing in there, too, because walking and knowing God are go hand in hand because none of us can completely walk in God's word perfect. Does that mean we stop thinking about God's word, stop being obedient to God's word? No, no. God tells Joshua, being careful to do all that the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. He says, do not turn from it to the right hand or the left. Does anybody deal with distractions or temptations throughout your week from what God's calling you to do? Anybody? Or is it just me? Man, I get so frustrated sometimes and, and I get so distracted and I just need God to remind me um, how to be successful, how to accomplish what he wants me to accomplish this week because he has a mission for all of us every single day and it's this be careful to do everything that i've commanded you okay how do we do that pastor andy the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth so the question is what are you talking about according to deuteronomy 6 7 moses says hey if you want to enter into the promised land the place where god has promised you he's telling moses this and joshua has this to remember hey you need to be talking and talking to your kids and talking constantly about God's word. But Pastor Andy, God's word makes me feel like I'm a sinner. I can't live up to that. You're right. It shows us our need to know our Savior, our Lord, our Yeshua, Jesus, even more and more. That's what the law is there for. It's to show us our need for him, to know him, and through knowing him, walking in obedience to him. How do we continue to do that? Not only talk about it, but we think about it. The Hebrew word is Hagah. Does anybody talk to yourself? Come on, be honest. I, I drive in the truck all day by myself, so. Perfect time to talk. Think, think of a time to talk to yourself. 
But remember, let it be seasoned with God's word. Carefully studying and thinking about God's word in order to know and understand its principles and deepest meanings. Pastor, I'm not very good at English or reading. Oh, me either. I'm about to go into school again, and I'm like, man, I have a huge learning curve. It's been several years. I don't even know if I'm going to. Even at the beginning of my walk with God, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that. That's, I don't think I'm going to be able to do it. Um, but here's the deal. You have a Holy Spirit who's your greatest teacher, and he will teach you everything. All you have to do is talk about his word, think about his word, and allow him to show you more revelation to know who he is. Lastly, obedience. Obedience, obeying it fully is our step of applying God's word to every area of our life. Maybe you're like, well, Pastor, I I just haven't had success. Are you, well, think about it. Are, Are you applying God's word to every area of your life? If you're not, well, then you probably need to evaluate that. Ezra. Ezra set his heart to study and interpret the law of the Lord and to practice it and to teach his statutes and ordinance in Israel. He was obedient to God's word. James puts it like this. Hey, if we hear God speak to us, but we don't do it. Oh, literally, you're just tripping yourself. You're hurting yourself. It's like looking in the mirror and then like, oh, yeah, I look good. Oh, wait, I don't remember what I look like. But Pastor Andy, that, that kind of makes me feel like I have to be perfect. I'm not saying that. Let me, let, me, let me give you an illustration. Can I give you an illustration here? It's called the race. Quit. Give up. You're beaten. They shout and plead. There's too much against you now. This time you can't succeed. And as I start to hang my head in front of failure's face, my downward fall is broken. By the memory of a race. Here, I'll bring it over here. Thank you. See, this is the support I'm talking about. Thank you, Denise. You guys can give a round of applause for Denise for helping me out. Thank you. I'll just scoot this back a little bit here. Okay, here we go. This ties in well with the illustration, by the way. As I start to hang my head in front of failure's face, my downward fall is broken by the memory of a race. And hope refills my weakened will as I recall that scene for just the thought of a short race rejuvenates my being. A children's race... Young boys, young men, how I remember well, excitement sure, but also fear. It wasn't hard to tell. They all lined up so full of hope, each thought to win that race, or tie for first, or if not that, at least second, second place. Their fathers, their fathers watched them from the side, each cheering for his son. Each boy hoped to show his dad that he would be the one. The whistle blew, and off they went, young hearts, and hopes of fire to win to be the hero there was each young boy's desire. One boy in particular, his dad was in the crowd, was running near the lead and thought, my dad will be so proud. But as he speeded down and, thanks, Victor. Speeded down the field across a shallow dip, the little boy who thought to win lost his step and slipped. Trying hard to catch himself, his hands flew out to brace. And mid the laughter of the crowd, he fell flat on his face. So down he fell, and with him hope, he couldn't win it now. Embarrassed, sad, he only wished to disappear somehow. 
But as he fell, his dad stood and showed his anxious face, which to the boy so clearly said, Get up. Win that race. He quickly rose, no damage done, behind that's all, and ran with all his mind and might to, t- to make up for his fall. So anxious to restore himself to catch up and to win, his mind went faster than his legs, and he slipped and fell again. He wished that he had quit before with one disgrace. I'm a hopeless runner as a runner now. I shouldn't try to race. Sound familiar? But in the laughing crowd, he searched and found his father's face. You can imagine that. That steady look and said again, get up and win that race. So he jumped up to try again, 10 yards behind the last. If I'm going to gain those yards, he thought, I've got to run real fast. Exceeding everything he had, he regained eight or ten, but trying so hard to catch that lead, he slipped and fell again. Defeat! He lay there silently. A tear dropped from his eye. There's no sense running more. Three strikes, I'm out. Why try? The will to rise had disappeared. All hope had fled away. So far behind, so error-prone, closer the way. Closer all the way, I've lost, so what's the use? He thought, I'll live with my disgrace. But then he thought about his dad, who he soon have to face. Get up. Get up. An echo sounded low. Get up and take your place. You were not meant for failure here. Get up and win that race. With borrowed will, get up, it said. You haven't lost it all. For winning is not more than this to rise time each time you fall. So he up he rose to w- run once more. With a new commit, he resolved that he win or lose, at least he wouldn't quit. So far behind the others, n- the most he'd ever been, still he gave it all he had and ran as far to win. Three times he'd fallen, stumbling. Three times he rose again. Too far to hope to win, he still ran to the end. They cheered, winning the the runner as he crossed first place, head high and proud, happy, no failing, no disgrace. But when the fallen youngster crossed the line, last place, the crowd gave him a greater cheer for finishing the race. And even though he came in last with his head bowed low and proud, you would have thought he'd won that race to listen to the crowd. And to his dad, he sadly said, I didn't do so well. To me, you won, his father said. You rose each time you fell. And when things seem dark and hard and difficult to face, the memory of that little boy helps me in my own race. For all of life is like that race with ups and downs and all. And all you have to do to win is rise each time you fall. Quit. Give up. You're beaten. Sound familiar? I think all of us face this in our race. They still shout in my face, but another voice within me says, get up and win that race. Amen? How do you measure success in your life? Talking about God's word, thinking about God's word, being obedient to God's word. But Pastor Andy I'm like that little boy. I trip up. Me too. Me too. 
And Joshua, he would too. Joshua's success was, was entering into the promise and inheritance God had for him. It was accomplishing what God had called him to do. But Joshua will not succeed. Listen to this. Because he obeys God's instruction solely. He will succeed because if you see, God is involved in his promises, in his power being available to you, and his presence being with you. Joshua will succeed not because he just obeys God's law, because all of us fall like that little boy. He will succeed because God is with him to obey his instruction. Like Joshua, Christians do not succeed spiritually because they obey God's law. Instead, Christ enables us through the power of the Holy Spirit to have victory over sin. Maybe we don't have all the fame, all the money. People don't know us. We have freedom in Christ Jesus through his presence and power and his promise. Amen? Our last principle here is remember God's with you. Remember what's God's, God's with you. What is Joshua afraid of? His leader's not doing all the work anymore. <laughs> He's by himself. But God says, hey, I'm going to be with you, just like I was with Moses. I'm not going to leave you. Hebrews says something similar to that in accordance with to us, too. I'm never leaving you. I'm not going to turn my back on you. I have a promise for you, I, I, and I, my power is available to, for you, and my presence is going to be with you. It's going to take confident courage to inherit the promises of God. It's going to take knowing that our prosperity hinges in, on knowing God's word and walking obedience to it. But it's also this, remembering God's with us. What is Joshua afraid of? Going into a place he's never been. Might have been afraid of the enemies he would face. Man, I looked at my propane bill. They said, yeah, we don't know if your price is going to be set or if it's going to go up, but it's extreme. Uh, there's an extreme factor involved um, because of Russia and whatnot and what's going on over there. So it might go up. And I was like, well, the price looks awful already. So <laughs> uh, I'm kind of a little bit afraid, God, and nervous uh, that I might not have enough. I, I mean, gas prices are already as it is. What are you afraid of? God's with you. Let me give you a personal illustration here. I don't know if most of you know. Do you guys know where I'm from? Arizona. Yeah, man. I feel the support and love, people. God called me here. This is not my choosing. <laughs> no offense. <laughs> um, but it was unknown. It was uncharted. Friends, family, back home, everything I ever knew back in Arizona. I'm sure probably some of you can relate. The thing that I needed to remember, just like that first time when God told me, hey, I want you to be a pastor. As long as you're with me, God. As long as you're with me. I make a good amount of money now for God to provide for me. But when I got here, I'll be real honest with you. Scrape by. Just scrape by. And I'm just sharing that to remind you that don't be afraid that no matter what we navigate through, because God is with you. He's going to provide for you. He's going to take care of you. Just take that step that he's calling you to take. Allow it to be in alignment with his word. How did Joshua do it? He talked, he thinked, and he obeyed God's word and remember his presence was going to be with him. Joshua witnessed this time and time again. 
How can I remember God is with me? Let me put it in an illustration. Do you guys see the wind outside? Ever? Nobody? I didn't think so. My wife shared this beautiful example yesterday um, when she told me that um, God was reminding her that she was, he was with her. Don't see the wind, but I see the effects of it. That's how God is. You don't necessarily see him. You don't necessarily feel him always. But you see the effects. How can I enter in, if I can have a worship team come forward this time, how can I enter into the place that God has promised me in an uncharted season I've never walked through? If I can say, the first step is a personal relationship with Jesus. I don't know where all of you are at, or even those that are watching online. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're going to need him to do this life with. Because like I mentioned to you, he's involved in every part of it. It's not just the principles that we apply to our life. It's God's presence being with us. So with your heads bowed, eyes closed, if you never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if we can just all pray this as an encouragement to those that are taking this courageous first step of accepting Jesus and remembering what he did for us, that he died on the cross to save us from our sins. He died on the cross to show us that even when we fall like that little boy, he can tell us, hey, get up and win that race. I already have a cup. And I already paid it. It's sin. It's all of yours. I paid it on the cross. This is your cup. Get up and win that race. Because I'm going to be with you. If you guys want to go ahead and bow our heads and let's pray this all together. God, we thank you for your forgiveness, for your mercy, for your patience with us. We thank you for drawing us back to you. We believe in you, Jesus, as our Lord and our Savior. That you died, but you rose again. Please forgive me, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Secondly, the second step is to apply principles we can learn from Joshua 1. It takes confident courage. What's your source of confidence? What do you put your confidence in? Is it God's word? Is it the leaders who see something inside of you, the calling that God has chosen you? Is it your experiences of experiencing God in a personal way? Is it God speaking to you right now in this moment? What do you put your confidence in? Let me encourage you a step further. You're going to need more than confidence. You're going to need his word. His presence being with you. Prosperity hinges upon knowing and being obedient to God's word in every area of our life. What's your idea of prosperity or success? Is God's goal, goals, plans, purpose, your greatest measure of success and prosperity in your life? If that's the case, what is he calling you to do today? Is it to share Christ? To think about God? In his, word every, in, in his word in every area of your life? Or to be obedient to his word? What is he speaking to you today? Lastly, my last encouragement is remember God is with you. What I'm saying is this great work that he started in you, 
He's going to be the one that finishes it. Amen? If we can go ahead and stand at this time. just want to share one more thing. In this past couple years, there have been several times where I've wanted to quit into what God's promise was for me as a pastor. I've heard it statistics time and time again. Pastors don't last very long. And me being new and going through all this COVID stuff, and there were several times I wanted to quit. But then again, God reminded me of his promise. He reminded me of his plan. And he reminded me to remind myself that I, he's with me. This uncharted season that we're going through, and whatever we go through, we can trust that Jesus is going to lead us through. In this season, no matter what we navigate through, we can receive our promise or our inheritance of an act of faith and obedience to God's word. And we can have victory over our enemies, just like Joshua would. Let me close with prayer. God, we thank you that you're always with us, that you never leave us, you never forsake us, God. We thank you that you're building up some confidence today to believe in you again, to trust in you again, Lord, that even though we're navigating fear, even though we're navigating maybe stress or depression or anxiety, that you're stirring some faith. And even though those things are still facing us each day, Lord, when we enter into your presence, those things can't compare to the confidence that you're building up in your children. Would you help us to take those courageous steps that you want us to take? To have confident courage to receive all that you have for us. God, would you help us to remember that our success, our prosperity is determined upon knowing you and walking in obedience with you. John says it like this, if we know you, God, we will obey your commandments. If we love you, God, we will obey what you have called us to do. God, as we go, I pray that over every single person listening, you would always remind them that you're with them. You'll never turn your back on them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you this week. Be strong and courageous. Amen. Have a good week and have a blessed Memorial Day.